Hello, everyone, and welcome to the trustee table. I'm Anne-Marie Balzano, Director of Leadership and Governance at NAIS, and today I'll be speaking with Dr. Lucy Lepovsky, an economist who consults, writes, and speaks widely on issues related to higher education finance, pricing, strategy, governance, and enrollment management. Her clients include public and private colleges and universities throughout the United States and various companies and organizations around the world. A parent of three independent school alumni, Dr. Lepowski has served on the boards of McDonough School in Baltimore and Packer Collegiate Institute, her alma mater in New York. She has led an NAIS research effort to produce guidance and recommendations for ways schools can rethink their tuition, tuition setting strategies, and tuition discounting approaches, informed by several case studies of independent schools that have recently decided to reset their tuitions. She received her BA degree from Goucher College and her MA and PhD degrees in economics from the University of Maryland at College Park. Lucy, thank you so much for taking a seat at the table today. Oh, thank you, Anne-Marie, for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, we are so excited to have you. So given that enrollment management and affordability are two issues so many independent schools wrestle with, I thought it'd be helpful for our listeners if we could begin by defining what a tuition reset actually is. Why should boards engage in considering a price reset and are they even right for everybody? Well, let me start at the first part of your question. A tuition reset is a process by where you lower your tuition. And it may be some of your tuitions or all of your tuitions, especially at independent schools, which often have day students as well as boarding students. A reset is not right for everyone. Every year, a board makes a proactive decision to change its tuition or to do something about it, whether it's to hold it flat, raise it, lower it, change how it's charged by grade, etc., And so a tuition reset is a more drastic policy than the usual decision to raise my tuition 3% or 5%, which is what's normally done. When should schools think about a tuition reset? They should think about it usually when they're not satisfied with the outcomes they're getting in terms of enrollment and net tuition revenue. Mm -hmm. If a school is not attracting the number of students it wants and or the types of students either academically or socioeconomically, or in terms of diversity, they may consider whether their tuition price, their published price, is becoming a barrier to attracting the students that they want. A tuition reset isn't right for everyone because a tuition reset usually will have financial implications. Mm -hmm. When you lower your tuition, unless you're discounting to everyone, you're likely to lose some money unless you can grow your enrollment. Many colleges discount to all of their students, so there's less risk. I haven't found independent schools, which are are few, that are discounting to everyone. So most independent schools which choose to explore tuition reset would have to understand that they will lose the difference between the new price and the current price for all their students who are currently paying more than the lowered price. Schools will only be able to make up that reduction in revenue if they have room to grow and if they want to grow their enrollment and or if they can reduce their financial aid. Many schools, when they lower their price, find that they will attract a different set of students, more who are able to pay the lower price than were before. So it requires the school to look carefully at what their situation is. But I would say 
on overall, a school should consider a reset when they're not attracting usually the numbers of students that they want, when they find each year they're having to increase their financial aid, and usually when they have some room to grow their enrollment. I think that last part that you were saying about, you know, using the increase into in financial aid as a as a benchmark or an indicator is really important. Schools find they're aiding more and more students and their discount rate is increasing beyond what they would have expected or wanted in order to attract their class. Right. And so at that point, a price reset does make a lot of sense. And so, you know, I know that you have led retreats for boards at colleges that were actually focused on tuition pricing. And so, you know, I'm curious to hear, you know, what those retreats look like and what a tuition or price-focused retreat for an independent school board might look like. Well, it depends on where the school is and how much information has been shared at schools. Boards of trustees are at very different levels in their knowledge. But at the end of the day, no board of trustees lives and breathes what the school does every day. So most retreats that focus on pricing start with a review of the pricing strategy that the school has been using, looking at historical price changes, looking at the relationship between price changes, financial aid, you know, usually there are graphs of how price has gone up, how financial aid has gone up, and what's happened to enrollment over this period of time. Often you'll also share information about the enrollment funnel, how many applications you've had, how many acceptances, what's your yield on your um, applications, what percent of students accept you. And when those, and, and there'll be discussions of what this information means. There'll also be conversation often about the environment in which the school is operating. If they're a day school, then often you'll look at competition. You'll look at the pricing of the com- competitive schools that you're, com- the schools you're competing with. You'll look at what's happened to the income, the average income in the area and what's happened to the income of your family. If the area has become depressed and income is down, that's one of the indicators that perhaps your pricing has become more of a problem than it was five or 10 years ago. So there's a variety of issues, but usually it's educating the board to what the situation is, because often they don't really know it, they've just dealt with tuition each year. And then depending on where the board is, it can go on to look at alternative strategies that a school could do to change the outcomes. So there's also usually a conversation or a clarity about what the goals for the school are. So once you look at the goals, you look to see if tuition is perhaps one of the barriers to accomplishing the goals that the school has. And then you can think through what alternatives. And oftentimes the a retreat with the board about pricing doesn't start with the assumption that a price reset is the answer. It could be what are the alternatives we could do and how we price. And so in independent schools, we often see schools that give discounts for second and third students. That could be important depending on what your population looks like. How do you change your tuition as students progress? Many schools will bump up tuition as students progress. Others have decided that is a negative in terms of retention of students. And so they'll make a decision to change that strategy. So you might implement it, you might not implement it, you might choose to match tuition at other schools. There's a whole variety um, of ways that you can look at it. And a reset is among one of the tools that you have in order to 
use your tuition to become more attractive. You also can change your financial aid policies and what your financial aid strategies are and how you enunciate them to the world. So if you're a ninth through 12th grade school, you may offer, if you want to attract more high ability students, you may um, announce a strategy which gives students who have X score on the SSAT or whatever, a scholarship, a merit scholarship. There's more and more merit aided independent schools, just like at colleges now. So it would explore and talk about the different types of strategies using tuition and using financial aid that a school could use and enter into a conversation with a board. A board, if it goes in the direction of talking about a tuition reset, often will discuss the question of if we lower our price, are we viewed as lower quality? Are we viewed as financially desperate? So oftentimes a conversation like that will ensue. And where it goes depends tremendously on the board. Many K through 12 boards are made up of parents and also made up of a lot of alums. Alums often will sit there and go, I could never have afforded this school if it was, you know, if it cost Mm -hmm. what it does today. And so that, you know, will lead to differences in the way the conversation's going. And there are others who say price and quality go together. You know, if we don't charge a top price, we're not going to be viewed as the top of the line. And then there's also the look at what are the other schools around you doing? Have you been increasing price faster or slower than the other schools? Are you now positioned in a different place vis-a-vis price and vis-a-vis the quality compared to other schools? That's really interesting. And I, and I really liked about the way that you were focused on in the beginning of what you were describing of, of that environmental scanning piece of really sort of understanding all of those factors that might be contributing to, you know, enrollment and, like you said, affordability and, and really unpacking those before just jumping into a solution, whether it's a tuition reset or increasing financial aid or whatever, but really taking that time to analyze the data and making sure that you really understand the context in which the school is sitting today before trying to make any of those decisions. Yes, I would say that's critically important. And I'd say the schools that I talked to in doing the case studies for NIAS found that your Dazzle database and all was very helpful in trying to understand the context, as well as looking at what's going on environmentally. I mean, there are schools that have found that the birth rate has declined significantly in their area. Mm -hmm. And so they need a whole different strategy of increasing their recruitment area, adding on other grades, putting in, you know, lower school, pre-K, things like that in order to fill up their campuses and keep their enrollments where they want them to be. Right. That's a really good point. So what lessons from the schools that have actually done resets can other heads and trustees use in their work exploring affordability questions? Well, I think, um, and I can certainly talk much more from the college experience, but from the schools that I've talked with, I think it's a clarity of their purpose and what they're going to do, have enough advanced time to implement well. Because once you've made the decision then there's a whole set of tactics that you need to do to implement it. You need to redo your website. You need to come up with your marketing strategy. You need to inform all of your current students that you're doing this and how you're going to change their price and financial aid. And so one of the big things is leave yourself plenty of time from when you make the decision to when you're going to announce and implement so that things are done well. Because you also have to retrain your admission and financial aid staff 
to be comfortable with the new price and to explain why you were able to do it. Most schools who've done it don't cut back on any of the quality metrics that they have. They usually will say we're maintaining our quality or even enhancing it by doing this so that there's no thought that the price reduction is going to have a negative impact on the academics of, and the co-curricular activities that you're going to be able to offer. They will talk about getting your ducks in a row. I mean, one school that did a great job of it, you know, had talked to the editors of local newspapers and were able to get spots on TV and radio and how you're going to do your marketing. Most schools will invest some additional funds in marketing so that it gets the name of their school out in the way they want with the new price. Because when you do a price reset, you're going to appeal to different sets of students. That's the reason you're doing it. There are the assumption is there are families who are not looking at you because your price is so high. Mm -hmm. So when you reset it, you now have to appeal to people who thought you were unattainable to them. Whereas alternatively, when you change your financial aid strategies, there you're just dealing with the yield of those students who have applied. A price reset deals with the top of your enrollment funnel and should increase their number of applicants. And so that means you have to change your marketing in several ways in order to appeal to new applicants. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I really like that that focus on on that rollout piece. I see so many really amazing, you know, new policies sort of dying on the vine because, you know, people didn't take the, the time to really think about how is this going to affect different constituents, different stakeholders who are going to need to buy in and support this. And so being really clear about that rollout process and, and really considering all those pieces before you just announce, I think, is really key. I think one of the other things that several heads of schools have said is be sure you have a good campaign to educate your alums mm-hmm. um, so that they understand what you're doing and understand why and understand it's not going to have negative quality implications, as well as your donors. And many of your donors are usually alums and parents, but there may be some who aren't. Some schools, um, especially at the colleges, have found that a reset has increased their fundraising because people are able to buy more scholarship aid at a lower price. So you could support more students since the price is now lower. The other thing I'd say in terms of lessons learned, several schools thought that when they lowered the price for those students who'd been full pay, who are going to save the full difference between the new price and the old, that they would contribute this back as a charitable contribution or at least half of it. And they found that didn't necessarily um, pan out, that the parents weren't particularly philanthropic in that way of thinking they should continue to pay at the old price, even though some schools had some success by saying, you know, you're now getting a lower price and the difference if you give it as a contribution is tax deductible. Okay, that's a that's a really important consideration. Thank you for for sharing that with us. I want to go back to something you said earlier, and, and it's true that a lot of our school boards are comprised of, of parents and alumni. And so how can boards really think strategically then about price and affordability in this context? It's challenging. And when I served on the McDonough and the Packer board, we often had conversations about board members aren't supposed to vote when there's a conflict of interest and whether board members who are parents should vote on tuition because there's a direct conflict of interest. They're paying the price change. But I think most people, when they go to serve on a board, understand that their role is to serve the greater good and to be the fiduciary for the school. And so I would say usually there are well thought through conversations about what's going on. And 
the conversation tends to be what's going to be the outcome for the school and will this help make the school stronger? Will it help it accomplish its goals? Mm-hmm. And, and I think part of that, you know, for the, for the board chair is to really help the board, you know, staying focused on those, you know, those generative questions of really, you know, sort of unpacking the, the tuition setting strategy objectively and as like from 30,000 feet as possible, right? So that, that, you know, we're not in the, in the day-to-day of the school and how this is impacting today, but really thinking about the future of the school. Right. And you wouldn't enter tuition reset unless you felt it was going to ultimately make the school stronger. I think a board chair needs to, on any tuition change, and even annually when you're just increasing it, to think through what are the goals of the school and is this impacting negatively, positively, or is there a neutral effect? You know, and so many schools just continue to increase tuition, but college level usually around equal to inflation at independent schools, I tend to see them increasing it greater than inflation. There, you know, what you need to look at is, are you having a retention problem? Or are parents with multiple children not sending the whole family to the school? You know, whereas several years ago, if you look at the composition of the enrollment, if a, if a family had two or three students, did all of them come to the school? And now you see them picking and choosing. But that might lead you to say, we need to discount, you know, families with multiple children. It may not mean that a tuition reset is the answer. So it's trying to understand what you want to accomplish and then looking at all the tools in your tool chest. And the most critical thing is tuition is just one of those tools. You know, the most important clearly are the academic programs, the quality of what you're offering, what your campus amenities are, what your co-curricular activities are. Changing your price is not solve issues if those aren't working well right. or if you're not providing what the market wants. That's a really that's a really excellent point. I mean, that that value proposition piece is is really key as you know, as you said, tuition is just one piece of a, a much larger puzzle um, when we're looking at, you know, financial sustainability and, and enrollment. So let's say a board decides to take that tuition reset path. What metrics should the dashboard to assess and evaluate the effectiveness of that reset? Well, first, it should start out with its goals of what it wants to accomplish. But usually the goals relate to enrollment. How, and, you, and, and I think the dashboard should have a few years of historical data. It should have, you know, the current year and the next two or three years and perhaps your goals. Because your tuition reset is not usually going to have the magic bullet in one year. But we'll have a few years because people have an idea of where you have been placed historically and as you're changing your price placement, it may take a few years for people to rethink how, how, you, how you're placed or what they should think about you. But I would say you should look at the numbers of new students, the numbers of continuing students. If you've been concerned about the income distribution of your students, you may want to look at that and or the diversity of your students, the numbers of your students on financial aid, percent of your students on financial aid, the average financial aid, you're awarding your average discount rate. And then you want to look at your net tuition revenue per student and your total net tuition revenue. Those are probably the key drivers of what you want to look at. That's great. And that's really helpful because I think sometimes when we implement like a new action plan or a new policy, really thinking through that, that other side beyond implementation, but really looking at those success signals or those metrics for for effectiveness are are really key and being able to call those out ahead of time so that, you know, we're doing this and here's what we expect to see. 
And some schools may also add metrics about their ratings, you know, their quality ratings or whatever to make sure that this hasn't changed it or the mm -hmm. academic ability of their students to know, you know, to keep track that they haven't changed their, that this piece of the policy that they changed hasn't changed their student body in ways that are negative to them. And that's a really excellent point, too. Lucy, thank you so much for your time today. I know that the insights you've shared with us are going to be so helpful to our members. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. I think tuition resets are exciting. I think many people think that price has gotten beyond what's reasonable as historically we've been increasing it. And so I, I'm seeing them become um, more pervasive, certainly at the higher ed level. And mm -hmm. from my conversations with people in um, K through 12, I think especially for the boarding schools, many of them are looking at it as well as day schools, which are doing some interesting things. So I think when the case studies that I'm doing for NIS come out, um, boards and heads will find it interesting to see what motivated different schools to take this path and what their goals were and how successful they've been in their words of advice for what they might have done differently. So thank you for inviting me to do this. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Lucy. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Trustee Table. We've included some great resources on some of the areas we discussed at NAIS.org, and you can also keep an eye on that page for new podcast episodes. Please be sure to listen, rate, review, and subscribe to a new episode each month. Thank you for listening.